Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to start reading in, in verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished saying these finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. We've come to the, to the end of, of uh, what's, what's now known as the, the Sermon on the Mount, where about a year into Jesus' ministry, he, he had moved back to Galilee that he had already faced opposition in, in Judea. Uh, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious establishment was already plotting against him. They already hated Jesus. He went back to, to Galilee because the time was, had not yet been fulfilled for him to sacrifice himself. And while he's, while he's there, he goes up on this, this hillside and his disciples came to him but, but also multitudes came to him and he sat down and he began teaching them what his kingdom was going to be like. It's, it, it's, a, it's a new kingdom that, that in the midst of the, the kingdom of this world and, and particularly then in that context and setting, the, 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 the Jewish people Israel under the, the authority of, of, of Rome, that, that he came and he, he tells his disciples and his people that his kingdom is going to be different. And, and, and he went through um, 
kind of a description of what his disciples, how they were, how, what, what they were to be with, with the Beatitudes, sort of a, a, a general portrait of, of what a follower or a disciple would be. And he told them that, that you're salt and light. Salt being that, that mechanism, that means of preventing decay. And light being to, to illumine the dark world. And, it, and it's very much the same for us. Nothing has changed. We are to be salt and light to the world that we live in. Salt is as a way. We have the message that, that will prevent the total ultimate decay of, of people's souls, and that is the, the message of the gospel that, that Je only Jesus saves. And then he, then he, 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 he went on through the, 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 the sermon and, and, and showed them how they were to be different. They were to be better than even the best people living in their view, in the view of man, even better than the best people living that day. If your righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, so it's been kind of hard, difficult in what Jesus has told them. And, and so he, he, he comes now to um, se several scholars call this the, an invitation, an exhortation at the end, that the teaching of the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount ended there in, in verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophet. That he, that he concluded that his, his teaching with the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and, and that now he's, he's giving them an exhortation, even an invitation. I mean, it's kind of like a good Baptist sermon that he's giving an invitation at the end. The King James, it, it, it really shows that when, when he says, the King James translates it, Enter ye, you enter, that, that, that he's, he's beseeching them, come through the narrow gate. What is the narrow gate? It's Jesus. It's, it's faith and belief. Faith with believing and repenting in Jesus Christ. You know, Peter, in, in, in the fourth chapter of, of, of Acts, before the Sanhedrin, says it's in this Jesus alone whereby men will be, will be saved. That it's, it's a narrow gate. He says, enter the narrow gate. And then, then he contrasts it. We, we have four pairs of, of, of an, an analysis or uh, analogies or or four pair of contrasts. We've got in this passage two roads, two trees, two ways to call Jesus, and two houses. And the first is the two roads or the, or the two ways, the, the two gates. He says, enter by the narrow gate, and then he, then he gives the, the negative side because he says, the gate, for the gate that is wide, the way is easy that leads to destruction. So you've got to, you've got to, to pick. 
Every person will choose. Are they going to enter the narrow gate, that gate that is only through Jesus Christ? Or are they going to pick the broad gate that more people are going through? You know, it, 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 it reminds you, okay, it reminds me, I may be the only one, but think of a turnstile. You know, if you're going to uh, a, a sporting event or um, I've never been on the subway, but I've seen, you know, these, these turnstiles, you go through the subway, uh, different things. Really, one person at a time can go through that, that turnstile. You know, if you've got a goofy friend, he may try to get in there just to jam it up with you. But one person at a time can go through that. It's a narrow gate. I mean, that, te- that shows us and teaches us several things. It's like you, you, God has no grandchildren. You don't enter this narrow gate. This, you don't enter true eternal life because your parents were believers or your grandparents or your brother or your sister or your best friend or your, or your spouse. But each one has to choose the narrow gate or the wide gate. I mean, it also dispels what's a, a common uh, belief, certainly now and, and in the past, of, of universalism. That, well, God is love, therefore he's going to save everyone. Just say, no, that's the broad gate going through an, a, another means. And no one will, and, and that, that gate leads to destruction. But he says the narrow the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Not everyone will be saved. Not everyone will, will believe the message of the gospel. We, we, we want everyone to. I mean, God desires for none to perish, but for all to come to to eternal life, to to salvation. But man, in in, in our free volition and, and choice, it's, you know, some people choose the, the broad way, the way that leads to destruction. And he says it's hard. It, it, it's kind of difficult to get your brain around it. Why is it hard? Does that mean we have to work for our salvation and that's why it's hard? No. I mean, we're, you know, it's not a works salvation. It's, it, it's difficult in, in the sense that the narrow way does not always lead to your best life now. Nowhere does Scripture say your best life now. That, that Jesus, uh, on, the, on that last night before he was arrested, told his, his, his closest disciples that if they hate you, just remember they hated me first. If they persecute you, they persecuted me first. And that it, that it may be a difficult way. It may lead to hardship and, and tribulation. But that is the way that leads to, to life. And then he moves on. The, the, the next uh, exhortation is... Beware of false prophets. Interesting that 
in the first century, even, even before Jesus has sacrificed himself on, on the cross, he tells his followers, his disciples, beware of false prophets. There, there were false prophets even in those days. And then Matthew writes, maybe 30 years later, 25, 30 years after Jesus is, is raised from the dead and, and ascends and, and, and the Holy Spirit leads Matthew to, to include this, beware of, of false prophets. So even after Jesus ascends and, and, and the Holy Spirit comes on believers, there were still those who came as false prophets. And now, almost 2,000 years later, we have that same warning that, that God chose to preserve it to warn us of false prophets. And, and what does he say about these false prophets? How do they come to us? They come in sheep's clothing. Sheep being a, a, a metaphor of, of a believer a follower of, of Christ, they come looking like a sheep amongst the other sheep. But what are they in reality? They're wolves, not just regular wolves, ravenous wolves. Is it ravenous or ravenous? I guess it depends on where you... Let's, let's go with ravenous, because ravenous, is, that sounds like a bird. Ravenous wolves, they're starving, they're, they're hungry, they're vicious. They're, they're, they're coming who? to the other sheep. They're, they're, they're ravenous wolves seeking to destroy. This is not the first time we've, we've heard this. Uh, back in, in, in chapter 3 when, when um, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read the next Verse, and then we'll go back and see. It's not the first time we heard it. You will recognize them. So he said, I mean, this is pretty good. He gives, he gives us a warning, but he also tells us how to recognize the ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. What are their, what are their fruits? What, uh, what do they produce? And he gives us this comparison of, of grapes aren't gathered from thorn bushes and figs, nor figs from thistles. So it's like false prophets don't produce the fruit of a real prophet or a real follower of, uh, of Christ. They don't produce that righteous lifestyle, that, that, that life that is seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And, and, and there's a, a meaning in, in the word uh, of, of, of that it's uh, for self-interest, for self-gain. Uh, it's it's um, other gain than just for the, the sheep or for, for, God's, for God's kingdom, that they <clears throat> swindle and even extort. Now we're ready for, this is not the first time we've heard about fruits. When, when, when John the Baptist was, was baptizing back in chapter 3, 
uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 7, he said, But when many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his, he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So the, the, the false prophets come and their, their fruit is not in keeping with repentance. It is not in, 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 in seeking the kingdom of God. It's not in seeking uh, God's, God's will, but it's in, in, in seeking their own things. And they're trying to uh, destroy, to, to be destructive to those who, who actually believe in, 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 in Christ. Paul gave several warnings of, of, of false prophets, you know, anywhere from those who will, they, they'll speak just to tickle your ears. It's like, well, I got I to give a message that's going to make people feel good about themselves. Or I've got to give, give a message that, that says that if you do this, you're going to prosper in a, in a financial way, in a, in a laying up earthly treasures way, in a serving, serving God and mammon way. Are you talking about politicians now? Uh, politicians and uh, tele uh, I'm, I'm kind of I'm more on that. But it could be politicians. I mean, you know. They, yeah. I don't remember the saying, a chicken in every pot or something. So beware of false prophets. Sometimes it takes a while. In, in Luke 13, Jesus talks about a, 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 a farmer, orchard grower, who says that he came three after three years and he told his, his gardener, chop down that fig tree and burn it because I've waited and it does not produce good fruit. Sometimes it may take a, a bit, a while to recognize a, a false prophet that it's, that it's not immediate. Sometimes it's immediate. You can tell. You know, you, you, you turn on the radio and it's like, if you send me $500, then you're, you're going to be blessed this week. And it's, so, you, you know, you hit the pre-select and go to the next channel. I remember in right after college, this this uh, a friend of mine, one of my roommates, we were out and and we weren't looking for trouble. We were just we'd gone out to eat, and he's like he's like, hey, there's this guy, this this preacher that's having a uh, revival at Texas Stadium, you know, the old one in in Irving, and he told me the name, and I'm kind of like, hmm, okay, let's let's just all right, I'll 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 humor you. And so we went, and so we're walking up, you know, the, the, the steps, and, and this guy, he's from Louisiana and maybe still around, I don't know, but as soon as we walked in, he said, God is telling someone to give me $1,000 right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm this, I promise you. And, and Mark looked at me and was like, we got to go. I mean, and, and, and so we just, 
went back. Fortunately, we didn't have to pay to park or anything. It was, you know, and so we got out of there. And it was like some false prophets you will recognize immediately. Others, it takes a, 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 little, a little while. It's almost like he's saying, you, you see these two plants from a distance, uh, you know, grapes and a, and a, and a, and, and a thorn bush or figs and, and, and thistles, and you see them, it's like, and then you get close, and, oh, this is it. You can distinguish between the two, but it, but it may take a little bit. A healthy tree is going to not produce bad fruit, and a diseased tree is not going to produce good fruit. So if a tree doesn't produce good fruit, you cut it down. It's thrown into the fire. It says, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. But then he, then he moves to, it's, he goes from false prophets to two kinds of, two kinds of people who claim to be believers. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So he says, There's, there are two kinds of people who, who would claim to be followers uh, of, of Jesus. And Jesus speaking this, who would claim to be my followers. But not everybody who makes that claim will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Kind of goes back to that narrow way. It's like if, if we seek first his kingdom, you know, it goes back to the, to the prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that we're, we're seeking God's will and God's kingdom, not, not our own. He says, many on that day will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? He says, I will declare to you, to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And this doesn't mean that, that God doesn't know someone, that Jesus doesn't know all people. You know, it, it's, it's like in, in the Garden of Eden, God comes walking in the cool of the day, and he says, Adam, Adam, where are you? God knew exactly where Adam was. That, that it's not that Jesus doesn't know them. He's saying, you're not one of my children. I don't know you in the sense you don't have that personal relationship with me. One of the hearers of this was Judas Iscariot. When Jesus sent out the 12 to, to, uh, to, to minister, to evangelize, to cast out demons, Judas went out with a partner. So just because somebody uh, purports to be a, a, a Christian and even goes to church. You know, in the old days you could say Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I and mean, you can still say that, but it, you know. And even visitation on Tuesday night or Thursday night, whichever night you did it. Just because somebody does all those things does not mean they are a true follower. I, I think in a way Jesus is exhorting us He's giving us an invitation, but he's also saying, look at your life. It, it, it's, 
it struck me this morning when, when Corey was talking about the two books. And it's like, look at your life. What is in my book? My, yeah, what is in your book? And, and, and what book, in which book is your name written? Is it in the Lamb's book of life? Or have I just been doing this because it was just what we did? We went to church and I grew up, but I never made a real confession. I, I never repented from my sin. I remember, um, I started to say it's right before I flunked out of seminary. I didn't really flunk out. I just decided God didn't want me to be in vocational ministry. And that was probably a, is definitely a very good plan. God knew what he was doing. Uh, but anyhow, I was in Dr. Fish's personal evangelism class. And, oh, I mean, I'm getting chills just thinking about it he, because Dr. Fish was just one of a kind. And we're sitting there, and he's talking about, you know, ways to, to evangelize, to share the gospel. And this guy, two rows up from me, raised his hand. Dr. Fish said, yes. He said, I've never done that. Dr. Fish said, class dismissed. Let's go talk. There was a guy sitting in. I was there. I saw it sitting in at, in Fort Worth, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He had gotten in. And he said, Dr. Fish, I, I never did that. I've never done that. I've never received Jesus as my Savior. And, and so Jesus is saying, look at yourselves. Analyze your heart. Have you, did you receive Jesus as your Savior? And so it's, it's at the end of this Sermon on the Mount. It's an invitation to, to those. Enter by the narrow gate. Or have I been trying to get in by the, by the broad gate? He says, not everyone who claims this is truly one my child. And then that, that, this, this final uh, analysis that he gives, he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them is like the wise man. So the ones who hear but doesn't do is the foolish man, the wise man. We, we hear his words and we do it to, to be doers of the word, not just hearers. He says it's like the wise man. He built his house on the rock and the rains came and the winds blew and it beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And, and the rock is Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And he says, the one that hears my words but doesn't do it is like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. You look at these two houses and, and, and you can't tell the difference until trouble comes. I mean, I don't know everybody's story in, in this room, but, but I know some, and I know some people who have been through 
terrible, terrible uh, circumstances, but their house was built on that solid rock, and they, and they stood. I mean, things that, that happened to people, and, and you're like, how did they survive? Well, their faith wasn't in earthly things. It was, is on Christ and Christ alone. And he says, be a hearer and a doer, and build your house, your life on that rock. And that, that rock is faith in Jesus. When he finished, we could have written verse 28 and 29, maybe. I, I may be, I'm, I'm definitely overrating myself because I, I probably would have, okay, what do you write next? But I think some of you could have, could have written this. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. That they, 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 they sat there on, on that hillside and, and they listened to him. You could, you could probably read this. I don't know how long it takes to read chapter 5, 6, and 7. I probably should have timed it. That would have been a good way to end this, you know. But, but it doesn't take that long, you know. And Jesus is, is teaching these things, and he gets through, and the people are like, that's like something we have never heard. That's, that's not like the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees or, or, or the priests and, and the Levites teach, that he is teaching with, with authority, and, and he... he his last words were an invitation of enter ye by the narrow gate. Follow me and, 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 and me alone. And I think the conclusion is the same for us today. It's by what gate have I chosen to enter? A am I going through the narrow gate even though it's going to be difficult because they persecuted the prophets, they persecuted Jesus, they hated Jesus, and, and, and they will hate his, his followers. But which road have we taken? And, and what fruit am I bearing? Can somebody look at my life and say, he is a, a, a believer? Because look at the fruit. And the fruit can be uh, evangelistic in the sense of, of, of leading others to Christ, but it can also be love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That it can be, you know, what does James say about this is true religion? In, in taking care of widows and orphans and, and those less privileged? Or simply... The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or even from Revelation 20, what does your book say? In, in, in what book is your name written? Where is the house of your life built. Is, is it built on the rock or is it built on the sand? 
Chapter 8 is after the Sermon on the Mount. I have to go back and look and see how, how long it's taken to get through it. But this was, we went through it faster than a lot of people have gone through it. Um, I mean, D. Martin Lord-Jones, he has this, it's really a two-volume book, but it's like a sermon, and I don't remember if there were 33 of them, you know. But it, but it, but it, but it bears reading over and over. Sit down if you, if you have uh, opportunity and read the whole thing through. And then see if you make the same conclusion that they're astonished because Jesus taught with authority. This one who is a Galilean just like many of them. And he's asking the hard questions, but they're questions that, that our soul depends on. Where is my house built? Well, let's pray and then we'll... Any, any observations? Because I know I missed and left out a bunch. And that, 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 that book that has our deeds in it, <clears throat> this, I'm going to really sidetrack you. And this is not a two-for-one Sunday school lesson. This is, but, you know, which one do they look at first? And I think when we're standing in the presence of Jesus, Almighty God, that we, he, he, he allows us to know all of our deeds. And, and you know, but if they open the first book and they say, here are, Dave, here are your deeds. And then they flip over here. But you're okay because you're in the Lamb's book of life. Or they, or, I, th I mean, we're going to know that, right? It's not like, okay, you don't even have to remember your deeds because your name is in the, I think we realize just how sinful we are, but that our sin was covered by the blood of, of Christ. Well, let's pray and then we'll... You can read ahead, but I haven't really planned it out. I don't know how far we're going to get next week. So just start reading in chapter 8. We won't, fin we won't get beyond chapter 8. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to show us that narrow gate and God, I pray that we will look at our, our lives, that we will stay on that narrow path, that we will seek to serve you first, to, to seek your kingdom, to do your will, and that, God, that our, our lives would produce fruit that would show others that there is a, a difference in our lives that, that they need to investigate, that, that we may tell them of of, of that solid rock on which they can plant their, their faith and their trust. I thank you for all of the, the mothers in this room, and I ask your, your blessing on each and every one of them today. Uh, just, just thank you for our moms and, and, and their love for us that, 
that in a way is a, a picture of that great love that you have for us too. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.